Ash, can you hear me? So I'm kind of imagining it's going to be like two thirds alien, a third aliens, because like once you yeah. cover right. like the the things that make them horrifying are largely the same. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And the so second for... one is a kind of a shitty movie, in my opinion. I Ooh. mean, I completely disagree. Oh, yes. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> Go figure. Right. Really, it's truly because of nostalgia more than Save anything. Save it for the show. Okay. <laughs> Don't boss us, JR. Yo, this place is big. We should split up Finding Will. Said no one who survived a horror movie ever. Because as you know, in every horror movie, the first rule of survival is never leave your friends. So don't split up if you want to make it to the end. No, don't. Don't split up. Welcome back to the Don't Split Up Horror Podcast. We are in our alien spring. And so today we are going to be talking about the classic science fiction horror films, Alien and Aliens. So welcome to the show. My name is J.R. Foresteros. I'm Amanda Foresteros. I'm Moza Haiti. And I'm Stacy Silveri. Uh, we covered this a couple of episodes ago, but in our time, that's been like three months. So I can't remember... Do you all believe in aliens? Yes. yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, we all do. Good. Excellent. So, in <laughs> general, <laughs> in general, do you think aliens are likely to be mostly benevolent or scary and monstrous like in these films? And tell me why. I think you've got all kinds of aliens. Like, why would we limit mm -hmm. ourselves to both one, you know, benevolent or evil? I mean, I think it's kind of our own arrogance that we always just assume that maybe there's aliens that look like us out there. But... They could have the alien aliens out there. You could have the gray aliens out there. There's people who claim that aliens already live with us and they look just like us. So I think, I think yes, JR. Okay. <laughs> I was going to say, that's pretty much what I was going to say. I think there's both and then there's other kinds of aliens. I mean, I don't think we're necessarily limited to what we, only what we can come up with. You know, the universe is so vast. Who knows what's out there? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, there are so many different types of human beings and ways that we treat one another, no matter how horrific or how awesome we treat one another. Like, if there's that many different types of humans, then obviously right. there's plenty of types of aliens. Yeah, what I think is interesting about the xenomorphs, which is the official designation of the alien creature in these films that we find out aliens, uh, is that it? we find out in Prometheus that they were not they're not a naturally occurring species they were manufactured they were designed by a different race specifically to be used as a weapon so uh for me i guess i would i would probably posit yeah that most it, most of the aliens are probably mostly like us and if there is some kind of like perfect killing machine out there it's probably been created by some kind of mad scientist who, to quote Ian Malcolm, was so busy asking whether we could and never asked whether we should. <laughs> Good one. Ooh, yeah. So a little Jurassic Park reference for you there. Uh, <laughs> so I I got into sci-fi at a very young age. Like I, re I remember, I think the first movie I ever saw in the theater was Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Uh, 
Mm, uh, my dad nice. took me when I was like not old enough to understand anything that happened in that movie at all. Uh, awesome. Yeah, except that it was awesome, right? And Spock was not dead anymore, but I didn't know he had died, so it was just very confusing. <laughs> um, spoilers for Star Trek two and three. Uh, so, Sorry, guys. so yeah, so for me, like, I mean, from from a young age, I had this like bright, optimistic sci-fi, which was Star Trek, right? It was like the future's bright. Humanity's going to solve all of our Sli- problems and reach slightly the sexist still, but yeah, 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 yeah right, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that, like that was my experience of sci-fi, and then of course, like I've I've been into Battlestar Galactica, obviously all of Alien and all of these movies, uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which got like a little darker. I so I mean, but but for me, my like entrance into science fiction was this very bright, hopeful, and again, it was from a young age. Like I was obsessed with space all growing up. What about you guys? Oh, no. Mine was totally opposite. For the longest time, any, like, thought of, like, space or aliens scared me to death. <laughs> and I think, I, I I don't know, maybe, like, 14 or 15, I kind of, like, came to a realization, like, it's statistically, like, impossible that there's not anything else out there, so I just need to get over this right now. And since, <laughs> and since I, like, made that realization, I haven't been scared like I used to be, but I think part of it is I can remember we were at like a family party and for whatever reason aliens was on in one of the rooms and all of the adults were like don't go in there kids don't go in there so of course i went in there and caught like a wrong scene and it scared me for the longest time and then i actually watched aliens i was like oh this really isn't so bad it's not as scary as i thought says you (laughs) yeah aliens is scary but like for a different reason i guess we'll get into that later but i um (laughs) No, for me, I was always obsessed with fantasy when I was younger. I mean, I, in my adult age, I'm still obsessed with fantasy. So that <laughs> yeah, you're out of that, never. Yeah. But uh, my uh, my obsession with aliens and space and space exploration and just all that stuff has, I'd say, in recent years, uh, exponentially grown because I cannot get enough of like the cosmos, uh, documentaries, uh, anything to do with aliens, those ancient alien shows. Um, anything like hard sci-fi now is becoming like more and more what I'm drawn towards. And it's just that it's kind of like what Stacy said. I mean, it's, it's statistically um, impossible that there's not, you know, life out there somewhere else. I mean, depending on what theories and what you listen to, I mean, they say that it's pretty much guaranteed that we've even repeated just based on, you know, infinity. And um, I was going to say real quick, my friend actually, we were drinking and I don't know how we got onto this conversation. Because you were drinking. That's probably, probably why. <laughs> There's actually like some type of formula out there that like proves or like shows that aliens do exist. I can't remember. You have to like multiply the galaxies by like the planets and then all sorts of crazy stuff that I couldn't really understand. But there's some type of formula to prove that the aliens exist or that they're out there. And it's yeah, it's that unknown that kind of draws or at least it draws me towards it because I mean, I don't know. It's like a great mystery. I want to meet these fellows. (laughs) Not the ones from the movie. (laughs) See, I don't know. I don't know if I would want to necessarily meet aliens because, again, that's 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 putting it on us that we're all cocky, thinking like, "Oh, they're going to want to be friends with us," or "Oh, we're going to be able to study each other." When instead, we want like they blow our heads off, or like <laughs> I think, like I think of a, attack on Mars or whatever it's called, attack, Mars attacks. Mars attacks. Thank you. Um, oh God, such a good movie. <laughs> oh, but it's so creepy. It's so unsettling, and everyone thinks you know we're the this just really cocky and we think oh yeah clearly they're this that they're this lower being and we we deserve to study them and instead they you know wipe us out anyway 
I digress. I loved, I've always loved sci-fi. Um, and I totally get that from my dad. He is a super Star Trek nerd. He loves Star Wars. He, he reads all the time. And we really associated all of these with like, I mean, I, I watched basically every cheesy action adventure movie from like the 70s, 80s, and 90s. When I was growing up, it was just my brother and me and my dad watching all of those movies. And we sort of lumped in sci-fi and fantasy with that just because obviously there is a lot of action and adventure that goes with them. But um, I, I super enjoy all of them. And as you all will hear in this episode that uh, it's super nostalgic for me more than, I mean, I love it. And I think it's super interesting, but it's also very nostalgic for me as well. So the first Alien film came out in 1979. It was directed by Ridley Scott, and it was his first uh, major successful film. He had one film before this called The Duelists, which was about hmm. two off two Napoleonic officers who like duel with each other repeatedly throughout the. I guess they're just very bad shots. Um, <laughs> so it's like just this like series of duels. Anyway, uh, Alien is like his first really big film, and and it was it was wildly successful. It introduced Sigourney Weaver to the world. And I wanted to run down just sort of a list of some of the major science fiction films that came before Alien and then some of the major horror films from the 70s. So you just kind of get a sense of like really how revolutionary this film was. We all grew up with Alien and Aliens being played on USA in the afternoon on Saturdays, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like it just I, I like I don't remember a world where Alien wasn't a thing. And where the you know the the face huggers weren't a thing and all of that, so I think it helps to kind of put into perspective. You know, um, at, at the turn of at the turn of the '60s into the '70s, that's when the Planet of the Apes franchise was really big. Obviously, that's science fiction. It's it's not aliens exactly, but it's sort of getting in that direction. Uh, 1977 was Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which was Spielberg's big alien film. Mm -hmm. uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which has like body horror and aliens like stealing our bodies, was in 1978, the year before Alien came out. Uh, obviously, Star Wars came out in 1977, so a couple of years before Alien. And then you had Buck Rogers in the 25th century in 1979, Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979, and a little alien movie you probably have heard of that came out in 1978 called Superman. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, no one was horrifying. <laughs> well, it is interesting, though, right, that like in, in a lot of those films that were coming out in the late 70s, aliens weren't scary, you know, and even yeah. the Close Encounters of the Third Kind, once we finally meet them, they're benevolent, you know, and it's 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 like a good thing. Well, that, and like Star Trek, I mean, at least the original with Kirk, I mean, they're a peaceful exploration, you know. Well, uh, and and the the monster, quote unquote, in Star Trek, the motion picture is actually one of our satellites that's come back to it's one of the Voyager satellites. Yeah. So it's not even like the, the aliens, Spock and all of them, like they're on our side. Absolutely. You know? yeah. I was just going to say, I feel like that almost comes from like us being cocky, like thinking like, Projecting. oh, these people are going to be nice. You know, they're going to want to work with us. We're going to study. And I think that's more from the fear that the way we treat people and we'll say like animals or anything that we deem less, we just don't want that to happen to us. So we just automatically assume that they're going to be nice and friendly and okay with us where in reality, we don't know. Right. 
Uh, now, on the horror side of things, again, early in the 70s, you have Last House on the left in 1972. You have The Exorcist in 1973 and Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 74. 74 is also when Black Christmas comes out. Jaws hmm. is 1975. Uh, and then 76, that's when you get Carrie. Uh, Halloween is in 78. So, I mean, again, none of it is really science fiction at all you've got a lot of slashers and a lot of like supernatural but that's what's really interesting to me about alien is that it's not supernatural in any way and it's not a slasher movie exactly i mean it's mm, yeah it's no a, i wouldn't say it is yeah. it's it's almost more of a creature movie uh, very much mm-hmm. so right yeah so so we're going to dive into this specific film. And one of the things you need to know at the outset is we're going to put links to all of these articles in the show notes. But as we were preparing for this episode, I think we were all a little bit overwhelmed by the massive amount of literature that has already been produced about these two films specifically. Jared, uh, I didn't. Did you mention the thing? Because I found that that's a movie that they often like in Aliens, too. Well, so what's interesting is that John Carpenter's The Thing came out, I believe, in 1982. Uh, yeah, 1982, but it was based on a 1954 uh, story. Okay. Yeah. So there is a movie from 1954 called The Thing, and it is an alien creature that picks off a isolated party of more or less blue collar workers one at a time. Yeah. So there's ob- there's some obvious. Um, Parallels. Analogs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's one of the things one of the things I found as we were researching was that the screenwriter for Alien, Dan O'Bannon. Dan. Uh, he he actually said that he was surprised that so many people criticized the film for not being original. He's like, Yeah, like I pulled a bunch of tropes from kind of everywhere. Like if you start listing all of the movies that Alien is like, you'll never stop. Um, because some of the tropes are so common, both in science fiction and in horror. They said that wasn't what I was trying. I wasn't trying to tell an original story. I was trying to use all of these tropes to comment on something, which in hit for him, he said he wanted to create a psychosexual horror film. So we'll mm. get into that in a minute. But, um, <laughs> but you know, the, 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 the famous tagline for Alien that was on all the posters and it wasn't in the movie was, in space, no one can hear you scream. So hmm. what is, and Stacey, I'm particularly interested in, in having you answer first because you said that from a young age, you were afraid of space. Like why? Oh yeah, that's scary. Why? Because you're all alone. It's the lack of control. You know, you if you can't survive, like it's kill or be killed almost, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to die. <laughs> and I mean, no one's there to help you. It, it's literally just you. And if you can't manage the task, then you're lost. Mm. Yeah, I was going to say it's about that isolation. It's yeah. just horrifying to think uh, that a cry for help, that no one can hear it to even attempt to help a sister out. <laughs> you know, you're just out there on your own. And, and humans are social creatures anyway. Exactly. So if, if you don't have that, you slowly... I don't want to say you do, but, you know, we need that. That's part of our biology and our sociology. Or well, it's like that movie Interstellar, which I still haven't formulated an opinion on. Uh, but when, <laughs> Matt, when Matt Damon, you know, and spoiler alert, fakes the uh, call that his planet is, you know, a good one that, you know, 
mm-hmm. civilization could continue there. But it was just a scam because he was stuck on that damn planet for all those years and he didn't want to be stuck there anymore. Like he was, I mean, he put everyone else's life and the human race in jeopardy just because he was lonely. Like, I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I think that's definitely the terror of space is that you could potentially be lost to and alone for ever. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting to me about a lot of science fiction, particularly like the darker science fiction, the less optimistic stuff, is that uh, space functions for us today the way the sea functioned for ancient peoples. And not like not like the sea close to the shore, but the middle of the ocean where, you know, on, on maps they would say, here there be monsters. And what they meant by that was like, if you go out there, you'll die. <laughs> and, you know, and so I study a lot of like ancient Hebrew right, uh, texts, right? And and one of the things that for them, the, the seas, when they say the seas, they mean these like deep ocean waters. And for them, it's not just like deeper ocean. It's a fundamentally different thing than the waters that are navigable close to the shore. Uh, it's It's like where the rules of creation break down. And where, like, the gods don't even have power in the sea. Right. If that makes sense. And so, like, if you think about space that way, right, space is like, it's like Davy Jones's locker. It's the grave. It's like this cold, unforgiving, unsurvivable space. Like you guys were saying, it's it's like beyond civilization, beyond, uh, there's no structure, there's no culture. And so it's easy to get to where there's no morality, right? Like you said, Stacey, at the end of the day, it comes down to that kill or be killed, like do whatever it takes to just survive, like pure, you're reduced to pure survival. Well, and we see that more in aliens to, or in aliens, you know, the sequel, because you've got the guy who's on there, who's got, you know, a very different purpose than everybody else. And he's aware and Sigourney Weaver is the one who points it out, but he can basically do whatever he wants to those people. And no one will ever know. Like, I mean, it's, it's just his work. It comes well, back to the story. And- in in Alien, uh, the first film, I feel like we're going to have to keep doing that the whole time. Alien <laughs> right. 1, we not 2. We could just say Aliens 2. Yeah, we could say Alien 1 and Alien 2, yeah. To clarify. Um, but, but Ash, before we even know that he's a robot, he has this wonderful quote uh, where he says to Ripley, you still don't understand what you're dealing with, do you? It's a perfect organism. Its structural perfection is matched only by its hostility. You admire it. I admire its purity. A survivor. And all clouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. I can't lie to you about your chances, but... I admire its purity, a survivor, unclouded by conscience, remorse, or delusions of morality. And like that's, I feel like for the robot, for this guy, Ash, that's what he sees. He's like, there, all of, all of this like morality and stuff, it's all just fake. And all that there really is, is like pure animal instinct to survive. And this thing has it better than humans so it's going like in his mind it deserves yeah well yeah well okay but for him like that's why he thinks it's going to survive and why he thinks maybe even it deserves to survive 
See, I almost feel like, right, like obviously a survivor, it's probably going to make it through 90% of anything. But I feel like the fact that humans do have feelings and morality is what always is going to make us better to survive. Like we're going to have something that's going to push us to push harder than anything than just survival. Mm -hmm. Like, I know personally, like with my twin, like if there was like a situation where it was like me or her or like any, I would always fight that much harder just to make sure she was. But I would argue that's just you going to your base instincts of trying to survive and forgetting morality. Like you would do anything to save that person or stay alive. And you would. I kind of see what you're saying, but I feel like it's because it's for somebody else. Like now you're justifying your immorality. <laughs> I guess. I guess. A little bit. Well, and I but I think Stacey, you're right. I think the whole point of movies like Alien, which are basically creature movies, which are basically human versus whatever movies mm-hmm. versus nature or versus and I mean, in this case, really, we don't again, we don't have the the backstory of Prometheus, which came out just a couple years ago, to tell us that the alien is is not a natural species. So as far as we know, this is like the nastiest thing that can evolve in space or whatever. And all we know is that this, this is a perfect natural. And that's, that's even what Ash says, right? He's like, this is the perfect organism. And so for us, the whole point of these movies is for us to see the human triumph over nature. Like it's the ultimate us versus nature story. And I think we need those stories to convince us that we can go on. Like you were saying, like it's humanity versus like the biological side. Like there's everything we do is comes down to biology and chemistry and chemical reactions. And sometimes some people like to think there's more than just that, but real realistically, like that's all that that all that it is. Mm-hmm. Well, I just I think that it's fascinating that the writers decided, or you know, whoever decided that. Uh, that the aliens would have acid for blood. Like, I was just like, oh, snap. That is hardcore. That's one of the creepiest parts of, I mean, at least for me in the first one is when that, uh, what is it, it drools or whatever happens and it eats through like three different levels of the ship. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like running down to try to catch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, how do you and then, kill but, something? And then, like yeah, that, like, what do you, how right? do you stop it? Like, just put more stuff in its way? <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Like, it's the that's ultimate, it. like, defense mechanism. Yeah, and for me, sure. I'm going to kill you. They, what they needed was a couple of predators on that ship. To <laughs> Unfortunately, those movies were just not as good as they should have been. Oh, man. Uh, so, I would just say Alien versus Predator 1 and 2 had way too much plot in them for movies called Alien versus Predator. <laughs> I was I was promised something in the title that was not lived up to in the movie. Oh, Did they make two Alien versus Predators? Yes. Yeah. One's in the city, and then one's, they find, in like, an underground. Yeah, yeah, that's the sweet one. The, the second one's my sweeter. favorite. Sweeter. Sweetest. <laughs> I mean, it's no Resident Evil 25. No, nothing lives up to that. Right. But that's not aliens, JR. Stay on topic. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's get into some of the sexual horror of these films, because that's, again, where most of the critical commentary is. Do you want to start with the vagina with teeth or the angry penis? <laughs> let's, let's, yeah, I mean, let's start with the fact that oh there's like God. a pretty obvious, like, rape 
analogy with the face hugger. Super rapey. Impreg- <laughs> I mean, I mean, again, it, it, it impregnates it from that guy. <laughs> there was no consent. That's for sure. <laughs> so, I mean, on a, on a pretty basic level, like this is, this is a horror, this is horrifying, like in and of itself, even if, even if we didn't know that it was implanting embryos, um, there, there's just like an obvious, the, like the whole, the whole unveiling. And sorry to cut you off, JR. No, like no. the whole unveiling of that because it, it hits you in like waves. Like you, you're like halfway through the movie before you even fully understand what you're fighting there. And it starts yeah with a face rape, and then a belly bursting. And, and they can't like they can't get and they, yeah they can't get the face hugger off right. Like mm-hmm. even when they try to mess with it, his vitals start spiking. And well, and it's tightening around yeah. his neck. Strangles yeah. him more, and so so there's all of that, and then yeah, it's like it's like every time you think it's bad, it's it's worse than you realize. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. And well, so you think you even think he's safe because after they dethaw him, and they realize he's alive and everything. You like think there's a chance for this man. Right. Right. And which let me just say, never would I ever let somebody out of quarantine <laughs> that quickly. Like Ooh, you're going to be locked in that box or room for a good week. Definitely had some issues with how they went down or how things went down. It but does. The same with Prometheus. It was just very yeah, yeah. odd how they like, you know, scientists just touching these weird things with their bare hands. Like, come on. Yeah. Know. Like we, we have like sonogram and cat scan technology that can def- detect foreign masses in your body and it's like weird to me that they didn't do any of those things Mm -hmm. right yeah like they had sonograms in the 70s didn't they i'm pretty sure i mean if not star trek was faking stuff well before (laughs) that so like that's a great point that's a great point um furthermore they just continued to break protocol for everything the entire time that was just no one freaking listened to ripley ever she was like seriously guys can I be the, I mean, even though she was a rule follower, the rules were there for a reason. They were there to protect everyone else. And had they not let him inside, they all would have lived. It was Which, clear. go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, it was clear that, I mean, in some of the reviews that I read that you had put up JR from the time period and stuff, I mean, the movie's intent was not to focus on, you know, building a lot of the characters or like, you know, having these seamless things. They really focus on the aliens, but I mean, I don't want to call them plot holes, but there's definitely a lot of frustrating things that happen. That's just like they didn't they could have done it differently. It would just made the show stronger and it still Mm -hmm. would have been about the aliens. So I felt like the quarantine stuff was handled well because it's Ash who lets them bring Kane in. And we learn at the end of the film, Ash has an ulterior motive. Yeah, He followed the directive. And again, Ripley Ripley says the rule. Don't don't break quarantine. They break the rule and then they're punished for it and that's like yeah. classic horror yeah right yeah, well and it's all there's a lot of i mean all those reviews and everything you know really push how this is you know a strong feminine you know movie and the fact that ripley's the only one who's really doing things right that's why she's the only one who survives and i mean that's just like in any horror movie you follow the follow yeah. the rules you're gonna survive don't, don't split up right She's and, the final girl, <laughs> for sure. Well, yeah, and so so that's one of the things that's really interesting is how Alien constantly subverts tropes. So, for instance, if space is the final frontier, to borrow from Star Trek, your astronauts are your cowboys, right? Riding off mm-hmm. into the sunset, the big heroes of the story. They're the knights going out to fight the dragons. Except in this movie, they're not. They're just mm-hmm. like blue-collar working stiffs. You know, mm-hmm. they're just they're just coming back from a hard 
month on the job or what, you know, whatever. <laughs> uh, and and there, I mean, that's it, right? Like the, the movie yeah. opens, like the, the, the first dialogue we hear after they all wake up is these two guys arguing about pay. And, and and you just get the sense that these are very ordinary Joes, that this is not a glamorous job, um, that these are kind of like, like I said, blue collar, like run of the mill. I mean, they're essentially um, miners, right? Exactly. Yeah. And so immediately you have your trope. I mean, again, Star Wars, Star Trek, Buck Rogers, like these are the sci-fi stories, right? Think about the protagonists of all those films, Han Solo, Captain Kirk, Buck Rogers. Like these are the polar opposite of those guys. You know, so you, you have that trope subverted. You have the fact that Tom Skerritt, you know, Captain Dallas, if there's a better cowboy name than that, I'm not mm -hmm. sure what it is. Uh, but right, if Ripley says, I'm going to go into the vent shaft and Travity's like, no, no, little lady, why don't you move along? And I'm going to mosey down there with my flamethrower. And <laughs> instead of instead of the knight going off and defeating the dragon and saving the princess, he gets killed. You know, like, so again, like, it just, it seems like every time uh, the movie brings up a trope, it subverts it. And the Final Girl mm -hmm. stuff, like, Ripley's never really masculinized the way Final Final Girls are. Um, there's a lot of ways that they, they're playing. And I, Ridley Scott swears that none of this was on purpose. Like, he says, no, I just wanted to make, like, a primal horror movie. But it's, it's, it's really fascinating how consistent it is throughout both of these first two films. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, even to the point where, like, in the second film, I mean, Ripley's the only, like, feminine female figure on the ship. There's multiple women, but all the other women are, you know, emulating, like, men. And yeah. they're a tough guy, and they, like, they're making fun of the guys for being girls. And, you know, Ripley's the only one who's just a true and through woman. Yeah. Right. But let's just talk about how tough the name Ripley is. I mean, that is super hardcore, if nothing else. You know, because normally the final girls have some kind of, like, more masculine name anyway yeah. and i mean ripley is that it's if tough. any <laughs> so i want to talk a little bit about uh how psychoanalysts read this movie and again this is where uh, this is where i'm sure a lot of people say i don't know it seems like you're stretching there but i think we're given permission to do this by the screenwriter like he specifically said he wanted to write a psychosexual horror film and and that means he's drawing on psycho psycho uh, psychoanalytics. So this is the stuff that comes down from Freud, where everything's either about penises or vaginas, um, or your mother. Yeah, your mom, or wanting to love your mom, or wanting to kill your mom. It depends. Um, but but all all kind of like tongue and cheek stuff aside, a kind of a core aspect of psycho psychoanalysis is that men are horrified by our own mortality and specifically by our dependence on women to reproduce. So Freud would say that's why our history is filled with quests for the fountain of youth or the Holy grail and all of this stuff is that men are constantly trying to overcome our mortality, which is ultimately about becoming free of our dependence on women. Um, and so for a lot of psycho and analysts they read women in literature as connected to nature so think about like mother earth right sure. mm -hmm. and then all of like progress culture technology it's all very masculine and and again it's always about trying to achieve that immortality trying to live longer trying to be healthier trying to uh, create artificial intelligence right life without reproduction and so in this theory 
the worst thing that can happen to a man is to be womanized, which means that men have a deep-seated fear of being penetrated. And that's anything from like a sword or a bullet, like actual physical death, to something like homosexuality. So in like Greco-Roman culture, the very worst thing that could happen was for a man to be penetrated. It was he was womanized and effeminized in that way. Um, a man could penetrate all day long, not to get too like R-rated, but um, <laughs> as long as you're the one doing the penetrating, you are masculine. And if you are the one being penetrated, you are yeah. feminine uh, and very different from the way we think about uh, something like homosexuality. Right. So all of that to say, you could really easily with that framework, read alien psychoanalytically. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what again though what's so interesting is that it 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 uh it subverts it so again in classic like the way psychoanalysts read sci-fi a rocket is a giant phallus like blasting off into the sky to like tear into space and make our mark on the universe and in alien the ship is not a rocket it's a womb right and so the the ship is called mother like literally and the very opening scene of the film is everyone being born out of their eggs in inside of mom. Right. Uh, they're all like woken up out of cryo sleep. I don't know. What do you guys, is that, is that over reading into that? I mean, given the fact that the writer has actually said, you know, that was his goal for the film. And then you do have that opening scene. You have the ship being called mother. Um, and they all like then, call her mother. I was anyone else like weirded out by that? Weird. Yeah. Creepy. Weird. Well, but and I mean, again, when you get into the actual aliens, I mean, when they remove that and they've got the face hugger flipped over and you're looking at it and when it bursts out of his stomach, I mean, the the sexual symbolism of those things, I mean, is blatant. I mean, it's it's not like they were even trying to hide it. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like you're like, am I a pervert or is this just like really, really blatant? And you got to look around. You're like, no, I guess everyone does see this. Okay, it's not. Uh, so, so then, uh, you know, they go, they find this ship and one of the articles, uh, that we, that we are going to post, you know, pointed out that the ship, like it kind of looks like legs sticking up into the air. Yeah. It's not like a rocket ship. Right. You would think. Yeah. Right. And then they enter where, like basically through where the vaginal opening would be. And then what do they find inside a bunch of eggs? Cause what else would you find inside? Right. Um, and so, so again, literally, uh, I guess not literally, metaphorically, the astronauts are like sperm entering into the eggs. And then instead of them fertilizing the eggs, they are fertilized by the egg. So it's again, this like inversion, which is for the psychoanalysts, that's what makes it horrifying is that it's like the film is using the way our biology works, but then like at the very moment when the man should be the one penetrating and giving and like sending Instead, we are the ones that are penetrated and impregnated. And so it's that, like, for them, it's that specific flip that is creating the horror. What do you guys make of that? I mean, I thought it was all terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, and that's, like, the beauty of this film. I mean, it's three different things. You got the face hugger, which is terrifying. Um, Then it gets inside of you. It bursts from your stomach. And then if that doesn't kill you, it grows into a horrifying, like, large alien that runs around the ship and eats everybody, only to, you know, start this whole cycle over again. Um, 
but I mean, I agree with what you're saying too, JR. I mean, I, I don't think it's far-fetched in this film. I think it's a, it was blatantly going for it. You know, it's the men that, like you said, after they're impregnated, you know, bursts from their belly. Um, one of that article, the part that I was, where it started getting a little far-fetched for me and some of those articles and stuff is where they really get into the fact that, you know, it's a play on how children think that, you know, women become pregnant somehow through the mouth and different things like that. And that, some of those articles get a little far-fetched, but as far as like the inversion and the men and the, you know, the penetration and like kind of bursting from the stomach and the whole rapey vibe, I, I think it's obvious. So no lie. I know some people who grew up really, really sheltered who thought for a way longer than probably they should have that you got pregnant by kissing. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Because just knowing, I mean, they were in really yeah. like probably like religiously fundamentalist groups that just for okay. them, the body was always dangerous. Yeah. And so no one ever told them anything. And so the only people they ever saw kiss are mom and dad. And then we know like they have like a vague sense of where babies come from, which is like mom and dad, you know, but that was all the information they had. And so, yeah, I mean, not until they were like 35 or something like that, but you know, again, yeah. like <laughs> it, 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 they, they didn't learn biology until an embarrassingly yeah. old age for them and and so i don't know like again i when, when you look at the world through the eyes of a child and you try to put things together i don't think that like getting pregnant through the mouth thing is that far-fetched you know I, guess I just didn't see it as the inversion part you know like to me i didn't see where that played into the 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 horror aspect you know that psychoanalytical well there is like it is like an oral rape Right. You have like a phallus extending into the throat and then there is a life implanted inside of you against your will, which is which is, again, part of that like rape metaphor. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, that I think that like that's genuinely horrifying metaphor or not. I mean, that's that's like a real fear. I don't that, even know that that's a metaphor. I mean, that is straight right. up a face rape. Like, <laughs> well, especially happens. when giving birth means that this thing rips through all of your important mm -hmm. organs yeah <laughs> but again but rape right like uh you're you're taken against your will your body is violated against your will and in many cases life can be implanted inside you against your will yeah right? i mean that's all uh that's what i mean by the rape metaphor like, no no i know i was just joking so uh yeah so i mean overall like how scary did you guys find aliens from a younger age, it was scarier to me mm -hmm. as an adult and someone who is still very easily scared. Um, it's not it, creature movies don't really scare me that much. And it, to me, it's much more of a creature movie than it is like the fourth kind uh, is a super scary alien movie to me. Um, aliens, it, you know, it's got some jump scares uh, when it pops out of the stomach. You're not expecting it when it like, you know, pops its head out of the darkness out of, out of nowhere. You're not expecting it. But um it wasn't scary in that, like, you know, I'm not going to go to sleep tonight. It was just kind of, it. I mean, it's gruesome. Like, the idea of being the host <laughs> for that creature and then knowing it's just going to burst from your stomach. I mean, that it's like, it's that cringe scary, I guess, is the best way to. Yeah. I was going to say, growing up, the first time I just saw the clip of it scared me to death. And then as I got older and I got less scared of aliens and then watched it like really watched it for the first time it wasn't necessarily scary but like mo said it's more like a creature movie and those are i always find interesting and i'm more like interested than scared because i just want to know what's going on and i'm more curious than anything and after the first one like i don't find any of the other ones like remotely scary actually i, 
I kind of dislike everything after one until we get predators involved. Oh. I like two better, I think. Two is so creepy. The first one, I mean, definitely has a few scares. But honestly, I feel like, and I know that this annoys us in a lot of the more modern horror movies, but they really could have played up the the score, you know, the the building of the music, the suspense mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it and and I didn't really feel that. And I know that's part of the genre the genre at the time, you know, all of the different horror movies that were around at the same time. But I, I feel like I would have been more scared had there been, I don't know, something more pressing. Like when she, well, and we can get into this when we get into the best and worst, but I feel like most of the time the alien has the syndrome that drives me crazy in The Walking Dead that uh, zombies are, you know, they're constantly going, blah, 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 you know, making these like, ridiculous <laughs> noises, except for when they sneak up behind a person to e- eat their face off. And then you don't hear them until they're like literally on you. Whereas normally yeah. they're like, blah, blah, you know, making these absurd noises constantly until they decide to be quiet when they're, you know, praying, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Can we and, argue and- that's because he is like an apex predator? And so unless he knows you've already seen him, he, he knows to be quiet. Right. I yeah, I just don't know. I, I, I wish that that honestly we could have gotten inside the head of Alien, as, you know, sort of like we do with Predator, right? Like mm-hmm. we're able to figure out that Predator can pick up on heat signals. Yeah. It would have been really interesting to know. Like when he's mm-hmm. hiding in the little ship at the end and you think that his head is a part of the ship, and then all of a sudden he sort of yeah. just like kind of pops out at her, but doesn't really like attack. He just is like, hey, I'm here. Here I am <laughs> in the ship with you. You thought you got away from me, sucker. You know, I don't know. See, I almost feel like in the second one, you get that a little bit. You have the couple scenes where you can see that it's learn. I don't want to say necessarily learning, but it's picking up on things. Like it, it cut runs off- away from the guns. It- and-, and it cut off. It turned off the power. Like it's. It's obviously an apex predator for a reason. It's picking up things and it's adapting. But uh, no, I, I, I didn't more than that. I didn't have any problem with it. it's like it's hunting. Yeah. So yeah, it knows how to be quiet. It knows how to. Mm-hmm. Like it, I've I guess I've never thought the alien was like a mind like a cow. You know, just like a dumb animal. Like I've always. I sort of did. I thought that the, that all of the aliens were more like drones, and the queen was like the super ba. Well, like the drones can still be good hunters. I, I mean, don't know. Drone bees are super dumb. They also have a similar weakness. Yeah. That they're easily tricked into the airlocks. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I you know I've really found Alien to be a really effective horror film. Uh, and and I was the only part of the film that didn't age well was the computers, which like yeah, of course, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, it was it was like hilarious to watch this like advanced spacecraft, like you know, <laughs> they're they're still inputting in basically DOS, you know, uh, and so. <laughs> I just thought that was funny, but everything else, I mean, you know, I liked the dirty space feel they borrowed from Star Wars. Uh, you know, it felt like they were a group of miners. Um, and I, I thought the way they built tension, most of, most of the film was just tremendous. Uh, the way they revealed the alien little bits at a time. Uh, the way, like you already said, Mo, the way the way you're introduced to the life cycle of the creature, 
yeah. uh, a little bit at a time. I, I'll go ahead and jump into best worst here, but my favorite part of the, probably my favorite part of the movie is the scene where um, I think it's Brett. Uh, yeah, Brett, the Henry Dean Stanton's character, the, the first mechanic guy that dies when he finds the uh, skin and realizes that it has shed and therefore is bigger. Like yeah. that whole sequence was, even though I, I mean, I've, I'd seen the movie, I knew that it was going to be hiding above him and, and all of that. I knew what was coming, but I still yeah. found it to be really effective, very tense, uh, really pretty genuinely horrifying. And I mean, that's not even counting all of the body horror, which you guys know, like that kind of stuff just freaks me out anyway. So no, my, I mean, if we're going to have some bests and worst right now, my, my best is definitely the, um, the evolution of the alien and how it plays out through the movie. And it just like, it's like, kind of like, I think you said earlier, Jr. like every time you think it's gotten bad, it then gets worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's just, you, you can't win with that thing. What's your worst? Um, the fact I, I can't, I couldn't stand that the sake or an alien two aliens that she killed the queen the same way she killed the first one. And I was also doubly irritated that they're about ready to nuke that entire planet or that area. And she wastes like precious minutes in there shooting and flame torching like the queen and doing all this nonsense and like putting the little girl in danger who she just saved. I'm like, you're about to nuke this place. Get on the spaceship and get out of here. Like, what are you doing? I was going to say, I think that was my worst as well. Just like the whole time you're trying to leave and then all of a sudden. Wait, um, why are we, are we doing Alien 2 right now? I just I kind of put lumped them together. I was say I kind of lumped I, them for together. Alien One. I really don't have a, a worst. I guess if we're going to get real nitpicky, it was some of the silly things like the quarantine and which, like you said, yeah. Jared, that one could probably be wrapped up into the plot because there was the ulterior motive. But it was just some of the goofy things that it wouldn't be that way, um, even if you are just miners and not you know doctors or you know, out there searching for that stuff. If we're being nitpicky, I was say. But other than to that, to get a worse from the first movie, I, you kind of have to be nitpicky for the yeah, most part. It's because it was pretty masterfully done. I mean, the way they unveiled the alien. And, mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I, my best is Ripley. I just think she's awesome. I think that she proves to be super tough. I think that even though she has a more feminine approach, it's like it's just a perfect uh, representation of her, like holding her own, making relatively good decisions um i don't know I, I i just really loved her character i love that it's like the beginning of sigourney weaver and all of her glory and all of her you know awesomeness as an actress and everything like i i really en enjoyed her quite a bit and or as far as worse goes i mean it, it like what you guys were saying it's just the nitpicky stuff with the script like i was so annoyed with all of the crew and how they didn't follow any of the rules and you know, well, and that's part of the reason you like, uh, you know, Ripley, too, is she is just it's not that she's your traditional hero. Like Jr. said, you know, they kind of flip that script, but she's just a capable person who doesn't give up. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like she just she continues to try until she <laughs> finally succeeds. I mean, and it's just yeah. It, it, you, so you find yourself rooting for her because you hope that's what you would be like. <laughs> yeah, like definitely. It, you don't have to be the, you know, huge, strong or, you know super smart person you're just a capable level-headed person so my worst from alien was something amanda kind of already uh pointed at which is that when the aliens in the lifeboat at the end it seems 
injured. Wasn't it? It's like stuck into the ship. Some yeah, that I just it's, like I I feel like there was really a, explain a it. exactly. And so like once it finally gets out and maybe sort of wakes up or whatever, uh it sort of puts up a fight, but it felt like a remarkably different beast than what we had seen in the interactions with the rest of the crew. And so I just didn't understand and I've like I've watched that movie several times and I've paid attention try to see what I missed and does it ever seem like I missed anything? Like <laughs> it's like they allude to it like almost being like partially frozen, but then it's like also like stuck into like the Yeah, but it's like, in the mechanics. ship with her. Yeah, yeah I just No, it, it, I agree with you. I, I when I was watching it, I was like, did I doze off? Like what why why are we here like this all of a sudden? <laughs> yeah. So it was it was an effective reveal, right? Yeah. Like you're like, oh she's safe. Oh no, she's not. But then it's just like like Amanda said, Hey buddy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like she has time to go put on a space suit and get back over. <laughs> yeah, she like, just like runs in the corner. Put the cat away. Yeah. 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 Which can we just oh that dumb cat. I can't believe she kept trying to save that stupid, stupid cat. <laughs> I was hoping that the alien would get it the entire time. Saving saving the cat is like her. classic hero move. Yeah, I'm I say, so I totally would be saving the cat, but well. I think we probably knew that. Stacey, <laughs> <laughs> did you decide on a best? Um, I think I'm going to Saving go, the cat. Yeah, saving the cat is definitely the, the number one. But my second <laughs> one, um, I think, is when Ripley realizes that ash is has like a second agenda you know just adds an like an extra layer to the plot and to the mm-hmm. story and it's it's not necessarily what you think it is up front in the movie there's a backstory to it so i really enjoyed how that played out yeah we didn't even talk about the whole like evil corporation aspect mm. of both of these films Mother. right but like mm-hmm. it's interesting again given that the, the, again, the psychoanalytical framework is that men pursue technology as a way to escape um, mortality. And yet in Alien, Mother is willing to sacrifice the human lives to get this creature back to Earth. Mm-hmm. You know, and so and again, it's that inversion where technology yeah. actually in the end dooms Backfire. us. Mm-hmm. Because it's our own fault, right? It's it's whoever's on the other end of mother pushing all the buttons. But uh, is there anybody on the other end? Well, yeah, it's the Wayland Corporation, yeah. right? Whoever the funding, uh, the person funding their whole... yeah, whoever's giving Ash and her their orders. Well, order. I thought the orders were kind of like already preset, and they would just kind of sure. Well, so like but flow chart. Like, then fine, like whoever those... programmed those orders, right? Okay. I mean, that's what I'm saying. It, it somewhere back down the line, somewhere there's a person who is greedy who yeah. disregards human life. I mean, that's not well, surprising. That brings up my favorite part of the second movie, which is when they're talking about the colony on there, and she's like, "Just nuke it all! Like, we just need to get out, or we just need to leave." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "We can't leave. There's like two or three million dollars <laughs> worth of stuff up there." Dollars. <laughs> like, what are we, Austin Powers? <laughs> <laughs> So, speaking of Alien 2, Aliens, this film came out in 1986. It was directed not by Ridley Scott, but by James Cameron. Now, what's interesting about Cameron is he, like, they had been wanting a sequel to Alien since the first one did so well. And Ridley, I, Ridley, uh, Ripley, uh, (laughs) Sigourney Weaver, repeatedly turned down scripts because they didn't treat Ripley well. 
she she felt like she had a legacy to protect with that that strong female character and this the script idea she was getting weren't good so cameron had started working on a sequel script uh before terminator came out and he couldn't get any traction on it because uh no one he hadn't done anything and i mean like no one that that was involved with the original movie really wanted to work with him because they're like who is this guy and Terminator came out what two years before 84 1984 that's right mm-hmm. yep and so you again you have a strong female character in Sarah Connor though she's not as strong in Terminator 1 as she would be in Terminator 2 um, but basically that gave Cameron kind of the clout he needed to make aliens happen uh, Sorry Weaver loved his script and so they made it uh, now I don't know how you guys felt. About it. I felt like this was much more. It wasn't not a horror movie, but it was much more action yes. than the first one. Mm-hmm. Significantly. Um, yeah. We also get a lot more. This is where the Xenomorphs get a name for the first time, right? Paul Reiser's character gives them a name. And then we learn a lot more about all of their structure, like that they're a hive kind of uh, mm-hmm. in sort of insectoid uh, being. They have a queen, all that kind of stuff. Like we, we get a lot more about these things partly because instead of there being one there's a cajillion <laughs> like, yeah. right? so uh yeah i mean what I, I don't know like i guess just initial impressions what did you think of this film particularly in comparison to the first one i was just I like extra the second annoying. one <laughs> 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 this is the first time i think we've disagreed yeah. whoa traitor <laughs> You're the one leaving. You're uh, splitting up. Oh. So, Stacy, you said you like this one. Yeah. Better? Better, definitely. And I think it has a lot to do with you have more of the backstory. I know Mo and I have mentioned a couple times, we like backstory. <laughs> we like a frame of reference and know what's going on. So you definitely get that in this movie. Um, and I almost feel like it, it is a little more horrifying. You know, like there's a civilization or a colony there that just gets massively wiped out. And the only person that survives is a little girl. Like that's terrifying, terrifying. Like that's exactly what is scary about space. She had no idea anybody was coming to save her. Yeah. You know, and she's and just she, stuck on that planet, with you know, guys. surviving any way that she can. I like the second one just for the fact that you get to see the queen. Yeah, again, you get the backstory. I'm Stacy's right. I'm a sucker for some good backstory. <laughs> so, By backstory, you just mean you learn more about the aliens, right? Yeah, exactly. You, you get, you know, get more, backstory. Like more knowledge yeah. of the world. Prometheus. World building is a big thing. Yeah, you get kind of a glimpse into their what, how they work. I guess is the best way to say. It. And then, um, but it was just frustrating because. Like they go back to the planet. Again, no one's listening to Ridley. They think she's crazy or Ripley. So they think she's crazy. Um, even after, you know, no one's responding to the colony. And just the fact that, you know, they're searching this whole place. They can't find any life forms. Like no red flags are going up whatsoever. Um, and the entire beginning of this movie until everyone starts getting killed. You and don't like, think oh, that wait. the fact the fact that they bring Ripley with them doesn't indicate that they think that there's merit to her story. The and one that, guy knows there is. Um, what's his name for Mad About You? Right, Paul uh, Reiser. Yeah, Paul Reiser. He knows, so that's why Ripley's there. But the others just think she's like, I mean, oh, they don't really buy into it. Yeah, so kinda... I... Go ahead. No, I mean, that's where I was ending well, up. I guess I was thinking that time. as like, they're Marines, right? So they're just like, mm-hmm. lock and load. Like, we got this. We're the toughest guys yeah. in the galaxy. Oh, like... Bill Paxton. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. He's so ridiculous. He might be I've... my favorite in this one. <sighs> I mean, I really I really liked the scene where they all kind of like make fun of Ripley. And then she like snaps at them. 
and yeah. and says, "Are you ready to take this seriously?" And they're all kind of like, "Okay," and they don't really still take her seriously, but there is like a, a small measure of respect imparted to her because she stands up to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and reminds you know? them that her whole crew was wiped out and everything. Yeah, else. that she was the survivor, the lone survivor for sure. So I don't know, like, what did you think of? Oh, I freaking love it. I love Aliens <laughs> so much. I've seen it so many times. Like, there, there. I mean, and you guys know this too because I talk about it every time we talk about film. Like, uh, these images burn into my brain and like haunt my dreams and my when I'm walking down my hallway and it's dark and the little uh, security light pops on and I'm like, something's gonna get me. You know, I'm. I think about when Newt falls down the stupid chute because she steps on the fan thing wrong and then she ends up in the water and I'm just like, oh, the water, there's nothing that's going to be good in the water and then the thing (laughs) jumps out behind her. I think the queen is like horrifying and so cool looking. Like I was reading, um, doing some research for this podcast and it, it was saying something about how it took anywhere as many as 22 people to operate the queen at any given time to like help her move around and stuff. And I was just like, man, but she looks so good. Like she didn't look, you know, from the eighties. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, it was just, Oh, I, I just loved this film. And I loved, I actually completely forgot about the whole beginning of the movie where we find out that she, her daughter had died. Um, and that she had been in cryo for as long. Yeah, that's because years. when we watched it this time, we watched the director's cut. Well, so true. that was almost certainly not in on USA. The normal um, one that times. I had seen, so, but yeah, I didn't remember that at all. Um, so, so the the bond that she was able to have with Newt and everything like that. I mean, I I always appreciated that, but then especially seeing it again, the director's cut and everything, it it, it just made me love Ripley even more. So I would be embarrassed to admit how old I was before I actually watched Alien and Aliens uh, on purpose yeah, and, and was able to discern which which scenes went in which movie. Mm. <laughs> because again, like they were just always on some yeah. channel growing up, right? And so I'd always catch scenes of them here and there. I'm not actually sure I even knew they were two different movies until college. Um, which is embarrassing was, to admit. I was convinced that Aliens was actually going to be Alien 3. I mean, because oh. the same thing, I, I'm so mixed up with them. Like, Alien's the only one I can separate. But after yeah. that, they're just one film for me. Yeah, I think I had a friend to explain Alien is an alien on a ship. Aliens is a bunch of aliens on a planet. Alien 3 is stupid. You don't need to watch it. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, okay, got it now. All right. So, yeah, I enjoyed Aliens. Uh, I, I love the Space Marines. In fact, I didn't say this in Alien, but I thought the cast in both movies was great. Oh, for sure. Uh, I thought they felt really different. Like the the crew of miners felt different from the camaraderie of the Space Marines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the the kind of infighting that the miners did, like they get, you know, the two grunts with the lesser shares and all that, like all that stuff. It was just, it felt it felt really natural and really real. And it helped me connect with all those characters. Even the ones that I didn't like, I kind of still cared about. They were kind of like the, the jerk that everyone has to put up with at their job, you know? And it's like, well, whatever. Like he's, he's, you know, not that bad. Uh, and so, yeah, I love the space Marines and aliens. 
I, I thought all of that was great. You know, I, it wasn't like a super big surprise that Paul Reiser was evil. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like, whoa, Burke. the corporate guy. Ugh. Yeah. Like, betrayal. Yeah. Uh, um, See, I think this spoiler, if you're, you haven't seen, <laughs> don't, don't listen. I, the whole movie was kind of waiting for, um, I can't think of his name, the the artificial guy. Bishop. Bishop, yeah. thank you. I was waiting for him the whole movie to go bad. Like, I, you knew the other guy was going to be bad, but when he it climbs through the, the pipe to fix the ship, I'm like, oh, God, he's going to sabotage them. And for the long, like, even still now, knowing that he's not a bad guy, I still, like, just wait for it. Like, I don't know if it's, like, the initial or just the mistrust with like computers and yeah, artificial it's... intelligence, or if it's based from the first movie where it really was, Ash was the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I loved how they flipped that on you though, right? Where yeah. I mean, they did the same kind, it's the same sort of thing as Terminator, Terminator 2. Where... And they push that right at the very beginning when she finds yeah. out that he is an android and you know she puts mm-hmm. her hatred right out there. So as far as as far as the horror of aliens goes, we have more gender bending. Mo, you already pointed out that all of the Marines, even the female ones, are masculine. Um, but it, they're pretty quickly shown to be out of their depth uh, to the point that literally their weapons, when they take them into the alien lair, are impotent. They're not allowed to shoot them. Yeah. Another uh, frustrating thing was that their guns had a very finite and small amount of ammo. But I like that all their guns also had counters on them. <laughs> that was yeah. very convenient <laughs> to let them know where their rounds were at. Well, it's better than having um, a limitless supply. It's like, when are you going to run out of bullets? Like, I know this gun doesn't have that many. They should have been using lasers at space. <laughs> lasers that are infinite? Yes. Mm. Uh, but the the other, you know, the other... The other big thing that this movie brought to the forefront was like all of the motherhood stuff that was only horrific in the first movie because it was this like unnatural inverted motherhood. Now it's been because you have Ripley and the queen and and we find out that Ripley is a mom uh, who is her daughter because she was frozen for 57 years. Her daughter's dead. Uh, She she immediately takes to Newt. And then you have the the alien queen, and so it's like mom versus mom, you know. And so I thought it was interesting that they they extend Ripley's femininity to include motherhood, mm-hmm. specifically so that she can be contrasted with these aliens, which are like the most horrific, perverted version of motherhood you can imagine. And there's that one great scene where, again, just in case you think people are reading too much into this, Newt says. Oh, so the way these aliens reproduce, that's just like how humans have babies. And Ripley says, no, it's totally different. (laughs) (laughs) So so again, not a stretch, like it's written into the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so was this, did you find this movie scary? Uh, No, because I don't think they play up the whole sequence in the sequel like they do in the first one. The first one is much more, the second one's more about the aliens, the adult actual aliens attacking versus the first one really being about the whole face huggers and the rapiness. Now, I guess here's the question though, Mo, because it's a sequel, would it have been effective if they just made you discover the whole process again? 
No, I mean, I see where they went there. I guess that I'm just saying that that's why I don't think it, it wasn't that scary for me. Because the, the end alien's not that terrible. I mean, it's terrifying. I would never want to But it's him. like a monster, right? Like you said. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's you're like, either scared it's, by monsters or you're not. And and it's like any movie. Like, the, the horrifying part is the not knowing. Once the creature's revealed, it always kind of loses some of that steam. You know what I mean? Nope. Sure doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, know, so, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm not there. So I felt like the way <laughs> I felt like the way this movie tried to compensate for that was with the introduction of the queen. Yes. So mm-hmm. did that did that do anything for you on, on uh, in the realm of horror? Um, no, I liked it again because of you know getting to see like where these aliens are coming from, how this all works, etc. Um, I was annoyed that that queen detached itself, got in, you know stuck on the outside of her ship, got into the next ship, and then... Rode an elevator? Yeah, battled, battled a robot, and then just went out the airlock. Again. But it was such a cool fight scene. I, I understand the whole airlock thing was a little cheesy, but, like, man, it's iconic to me. Like, when when Bishop gets ripped in half and the weird milk blood is everywhere and that part oh my gosh so crazy and then when she gets in the thing you know i don't know i i just love obviously i love ripley and so i love that she gets to prove herself you know we get to see that scene from the beginning when she says oh i can help out i i know how to i know my way around this Uh, okay class two when she's like yeah where do you want it set and they're like "Mm." you're like hey oh well and and again that's for their inversion right because she doesn't win with guns she doesn't win with the military weapons she wins with her skill set right the other thing oh sorry go ahead I'll just say that like those end scenes just kind of annoy. It's kind of like we said about the first one. Like it's just all of a sudden the alien is kind of lazy <laughs> and not really aggressive anymore. Just kind of hanging out in the cockpit with her and she, you know, flushes it out of the airlock. I don't feel like the queen was lazy at all. Well, I mean, isn't she? Because you got an old torso up there that is able to hold on with one hand, save a child with the other. Um, Ripley is literally holding a ladder and the alien and only the alien gets sucked out like <laughs> well, i'm not saying that i'm not saying that yeah. individual moment wasn't unbelievable yeah. um but i thought like like amanda said the fight was not i didn't feel like uh, no. pun intended anyone pulled any punches <laughs> no I like, and it started off pretty badass i mean when he comes out of nowhere and puts the tail through um bishop oh. and everything i mean that's that's an awesome scene mm-hmm. uh stacy scary or not I would say not scary. However, there was two scenes that did scare me. And it was the beginning scene where Newt and her brother were waiting in the car and the dad and the mom were checking out the ship. And she like shakes her brother awake. Like they've been gone really long time. Like something's going on. And then the mom comes running back and opens the door and starts um, doing a mayday on the radio. That actually kind of scared me. Cause I mean, that's terrifying to be in that situation, especially as a little girl, like, you have no idea what's going on. All you know is the person who normally is in control and makes sure everything is okay is freaking out. There almost isn't anything more scary than that, I feel like. And then the second time that I was scared was when Newt was sleeping and Ridley goes in there. They realize there's the aliens got in somehow mm-hmm. and then they're they're locked in there and then the guy turns off the camera and they're getting attacked by the little 
The face huggers. The <laughs> face huggers. Thank you. That is the most suspenseful. You know, that was those, the most suspenseful part of the movie scenes, for me. I feel like are truly terrifying. Like, but other than that, the movie I don't think was horrifying. But those two scenes definitely nailed it and worked for me. I think it was definitely terrifying, as we've already <laughs> as we've already been able to clarify. However, I was going to say something I mentioned to Jr. when we were rewatching them this last week is that in Alien. I could actually see the humanness of the alien, of the xenomorph. Uh, like, I could tell that it was a human dressed up in this, like, weird alien costume. Whereas I feel like, especially, I don't know if the effects, imp- the effects improved or if they just... I don't know if they played with all of the, I I don't know, or if the queen was just so impressive because obviously there wasn't one human in there, but uh, I feel like they improved upon their quality and were way creepier in the second one. That's because they got James Cameron. Well, that's, I mean, that dude knows the special effects. That is true. So uh, for me, like when we go to best worst, my best is that scene that you were talking about, Stacey, like that, whole sequence was just phenomenal and super terrifying. Um, But yeah, overall, I think it was less scary for me than Alien. Not necessarily less enjoyable. I mean, I thought it was really cool to see a whole Alien hive to kind of see like the worst case scenario realized. Uh, And the fact that they just like did not quit coming the scene where they poke their heads up into the air shaft and you see the mm. aliens like because you know it's, it says they're yeah. coming they're coming they're here oh, they're here they must be here and there's there's no one there and then then when they see them coming up the shaft like that was a great shot mm. and it was again inevitable you knew it was coming but it was just a great it, it paid it off really well uh i enjoyed that the queen was intelligent you know she could tell ripley was threatening her hive uh, she figures out how to use an elevator. You know, I, I love that there's a pretty high degree of intelligence implied there, uh, which which we hadn't like we hadn't necessarily expected. Uh, you know, they say the aliens cut the power, and we're like, I mean, I guess if you say so. Like, I'm not sure they would know how to do that. It turns out, yeah, they did. You know, that was that was legit. So, um, I agree though overall with you, Mo. Like what was scary for me in the first film was like the body horror. And there was just yeah. way less of that in this film. Um I think the one chest bursting that we had was Ripley's nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know? And there was so I mean it was Still scary. Yeah, but it was right, it was it was it was all just a dream. We know from previous episodes how I feel about that. <laughs> so No, wasn't there the scene where they are down um, I don't, it's not necessarily the hive where they have oh, all of the yeah. people like on the where walls. all the people are located. Yep. Yeah, and they're using them as incubators. They jump through. Oh and yeah, then... and one one does chest burst. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they kill burn me. it. They they the guns, correct? Mm-hmm. You know they burn it, so they end up burning yeah. it, and it doesn't it doesn't actually like get away. So yeah, I take it back. There was one chest burst. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah. No. 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 You're right. Like I, it's still just. I think for me maybe it was even the the smaller scale and the tighter quarters of the first film that made it feel so claustrophobic Mm -hmm. that just enhanced everything. Like on the planet, I felt like there was always somewhere else they could run to get away. Uh, And there was always another bulkhead they could drop between them and the aliens. Um, So 
yeah, I don't know. So, so anyway, best worst, my best was definitely that scene uh, with the two face grabbers and uh, Sigourney Ripley and Newt trapped in in the medical bay. What what about you guys? What was your favorite? I concur with. I mean, that scene was without a doubt the most suspenseful part of the second film for me. Yeah, either that one or the the opening scene where Newt realizes shit's hitting the fan. I was going to say the very end fight scene. It's my favorite for sure. But as far as worst, which I really don't want to say a worst because I love this movie so much and I don't feel like there should be a worst. But it's when the alien takes Newt and puts it in the puts her in the hive, but doesn't implant her with a face hugger. Doesn't like as far as we know, she is unharmed. She's just stuck in the weird goopy stuff that like sticks Mm -hmm. her in the hive. But the egg opens and the face hugger's coming out. Like it's getting ready to get her. Yeah, but she had been there for a little while. Not that long. Mm, I don't I don't know. Like it's probably I, I like five minutes. It. it was longer than that because it took it took Ripley longer to get down there. Because that whole scene, like you you okay, had I mean, seen. ten minutes maybe. Okay. But oh, the egg's gotta hatch. <laughs> <laughs> it was ready to hatch. I don't know. I didn't buy it that that nothing could have happened. A, that she couldn't have been injured in any way and by this ginormous acid-filled alien that abducted her. And then also that she she was able to get away unscathed. But again, that's my only complaint. I mean, I have to agree with that as well. Everybody else in the movie, you know, as soon as they were grabbed or anything, they were immediately killed and then the little girl just somehow comes out unscathed from Mm -hmm. this incident. Oh, I was going to say, sorry. The other thing that I had completely forgotten about in the movie that I loved, and it's obviously pretty predictable, but I still loved it anyway, was uh, the alien that got the pilot. Um, I completely forgot that the alien, do you guys remember that? So she's like flying around ready to go and pick them back up. And she like, is looking for a crew. She turns around. She's like, Whoa! oh, and then it attacks her. So I was looking on her IMDb page, and that that still is her is her picture, like for her profile for IMDb. So I think that's pretty. <laughs> <odd. laughs> anyway, what's your guys' worst? Uh, the one I stated earlier: the fact that she spends like four minutes when she should be escaping, destroying something that's about to be destroyed by nuclear bombs, like. I get that you hate these aliens, Sigourney, but get the hell out of here. You're about and, to, you got a child in your hands and you're torching and provoking a giant alien. And also in that scene, I feel like through the whole movie, there is tons of them coming at them every single time. Like when they were attacking <laughs> the guns, when they were on the, the, in the ceiling. And then when she's down in the hive, right, they're there's home. like two. Yeah, and they just hang back and like wait for them, wait for her mm-hmm. to shoot them. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think for me, that was kind of the worst, too. Like, it, it in general, and maybe this is because we watched the director's cut, but I don't think so. In general, I think the whole script could have just been tighter. Um, you know, they had a lot of Space Marines, and it's always difficult to juggle a cast that big. Uh, they did it pretty well. You know, I, I think most of them were not particularly memorable uh, outside of the the female uh, and then Bill Paxton. Vasquez? She's so yeah. awesome. Yeah, she was great. She was very Hicks memorable. Was awesome, too. But that's because I remembered him from Terminator. 
I had a little bit of a crush as a child. So he was Terminator. That was oh, yeah. Kyle that's Reese. What, yeah, he is Kyle Reese, no doubt. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so Alien Three, not great. Alien Four, like really, really, really bad. Uh, did you guys see Prometheus? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Alien Covenant is coming out what? next year, 2017. I didn't hear about that. Yeah, and it's that's the, not this, it that's is the, the sequel to Prometheus. That's correct. And, and I'm excited. Scott has announced that it is going to tie in directly to the Alien franchise. Ooh, so I'm more excited. What we know is that the planet that they find in Prometheus is not LV426. So, okay. however, whatever that ship is, and however it crashed on LV426, we have not learned yet. Hmm. So there's there's a good chance that that'll be part of what we uncover in Prometheus. Hmm. Uh, or Which, did me, you guys Alien like Coven. Prometheus? Yeah, for the I most did, part. For the most I, part, yeah. I, I was confused because originally I thought that um, Ridley Scott had said Prometheus was not necessarily a prequel; that it was set in the same universe. Or universe. That's uh, that's right. I mean, it's it's not a prequel in that nothing that happens in Prometheus directly impacts the alien franchise I see. Okay. but it's the Wayland corporation it's the first as far i guess it's like the first android kind of or like the first prototype model or whatever mm-hmm. and the alien race that they find the founders or whatever they were called are the same race that apparently created the xenomorphs which totally screws up the alien predator mythology <laughs> but I don't think Ridley Scott cared. He was like, my sandbox, my toys. So I'll do what I want. <laughs> so I'll be interested to see how the Predator universe retcons all that. Mm-hmm. Well, does it mess up the Alien Predator? Because in Alien Predator, they just capture the queen and put her in a place where they can start her making oh, babies so they can hunt them. I thought that the Predator, I thought it was established that the Predators created the aliens to hunt. Oh, did they? I thought they had just captured them and used them to hunt. Well, if, they if you're so right, hard. if you're right, that makes way more that that makes everything okay. See, I so, think I'll have to rewatch that. From what again. I remember, I think <laughs> please JR, tell me. I think Jr. That's what I remember. Right, is that they gen- they genetically engineered them to be yeah. the perfect thing to hunt? Yeah. Hmm. I, I Mo, please rewatch it for me and tell me. <laughs> Tell us oh, what, well. it, what it's all about. I I'll actually haven't seen him for the first. Well, time. and you know the that that all began in Predator Two when you see the inside of a Predator ship for the first time, and yeah, purely and as the, uh... a gag, purely as a gag, the prop department put the alien skull in there, mm-hmm. yeah. and then and then fan fiction took over from there, and now Dark Horse has an entire comic run called Alien vs Predator, and we got two terrible movies called uh, pretty good movies. i mean i think that's pretty cool that's how that the, that's the story yeah. behind it and how it started yeah mm-hmm. yeah sure. so it's something you... good came out of predator too <laughs> <laughs> well uh that is all the time we have for this episode uh we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode in our alien spring we're going to be looking at the james gunn classic slither uh, which actually shares a surprising bit in common with the Alien franchise. So mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun to compare these movies. Uh, if you haven't seen Slither, it is B-horror at its finest. James Gunn directed Guardians of the Galaxy, a little movie you may have heard of. Uh, and so this is him uh, really at his best. It stars Nathan Fillion and Elizabeth Banks, 
who is Rita Repulsa in the new Power Rangers movie. Yes, she is. Oh, so awesome. So uh, basically, it's just got a bunch of huge people in it. Uh, it's got Merle from The Walking Dead and also uh, from Guardians of the Galaxy, Guardians. right? Michael Rooker. So uh, it's it's a great movie. Uh, I think it's a great movie. Spoilers for the next episode, but we'll see uh, what everyone else thinks. Uh in the meantime, uh, you can rate and review us on iTunes if you're enjoying the show. That's the best way you can support any podcast that you love is just take a couple of moments to to rate and review them. Thank you, as always, for listening. You can find more of our episodes at don'tsplitup.com or at facebook.com slash don'tsplitup. Let us know if there are any movies you want to hear us review. Uh, did you guys see we did get a request from Jesse Clark to review Attack the Block, which is another great alien horror oh, movie. Oh, so good. Yeah. <laughs> so we might have to see if we can accommodate Jesse's request. Well, and we're supposed to see we're supposed to watch Slugs as well per Amy Oh yeah, Garber's per Amy request. Garber's request. Mm-hmm. So uh so we're going to work on getting to some of those before uh October. We should have plenty of time to do that. And uh in the meantime, thank you for listening and whatever you do, don't split up. <sighs> Join JR Stacy Amanda and Mo Split up where we discuss horror movies and how great or not they are. Because as you know, in every horror movie, the first rule of survival is never leave your friends. So don't split up if you want to make it to the end. No, don't. Don't split up. This place is huge. No one take the back porch. Scream if you see anything. That won't be hard. But in observation of this loaded moment, I am not in favor of splitting up, nor am I three days from retiring. I will not be right back.